<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. In the past seven days, China's business world has witnessed turmoil and tragedy. Shanghai residents are growing frustrated over COVID restrictions, DJI, has found itself in an uncomfortable spotlight after allegations surfaced that its drones are being used by the Russian military in Ukraine, and we're still looking for answers on what could have led to China's worst air disaster in years. Here are the most important developments from the Asian giant in the past week. Let's start with the latest on China and Russia. Some of our listeners may recall that the two nations declared a strategic cooperation with quote-unquote no limits and no forbidden zone. That was in a joint statement issued after a February meeting between Chinese President Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin in Beijing during the Winter Olympics. China's ambassador to the U.S. now says that this cooperation does indeed have a bottom line. As Qin Gong put it last week, that line is the tenets and principles of the United Nations Charter, the recognized basic norms of international law and international relations. The ambassador made the comment in an interview with Chinese state-backed broadcaster Phoenix TV when asked about Beijing's commitment to Moscow amid the Ukraine war. And speaking of conflict, a big-name Chinese drone maker has found itself in an awkward position in war-torn Ukraine. Ukrainian Vice Prime Minister Mikhailo Fedorov called on DJI to lend a hand in grounding its drones that were, quote, helping Russia to kill the Ukrainians. In a recent tweet, Fedorov wrote that the Russian military are, quote, using DJI products in order to navigate their missiles to attack Ukraine, unquote. In reaction, the Chinese tech company said that it was unable to obtain its clients' flight data and identify their locations. This is a response DJI had previously given in the face of U.S. security concerns. The company added that its drones are designed for civilian use and do not meet military specifications. In other news, frustrations over Shanghai's COVID-19 curbs are swelling among some city residents. Last week, a nurse named Zhou Shengni died from an asthma attack that's after she was denied entry at the Shanghai hospital she worked in. 
In a statement, Joe's Workplace, the Shanghai East Hospital, said that it had temporarily closed its emergency department for disinfection due to COVID-19 control requirements. Therefore, the department couldn't serve patients at the time the nurse sought treatment. The statement went on to say that Joe's family members thus took her to another hospital where she was later confirmed dead after efforts to save her life failed. The case has added fuel to a debate among netizens who have vented about how the city's COVID-19 response has put the well-being of non-COVID patients and vulnerable groups at risk. That's not the only aspect of Shanghai's COVID battle to make the headlines. What's also caught a lot of attention is how some financial institutions in the city are putting in place special work arrangements for their staff in order to mitigate any risks to their businesses. That's as a major financial district enforces a sweeping lockdown and mass testing amid the latest COVID flare-up. Just last week, on March 23rd, health officials of four neighborhoods within the busy Lujiazui financial city announced lockdowns and mass testing over two days. A source told Caixin that the Shanghai Stock Exchange, located in the district, arranged for a small team of employees to stay at the office to ensure secure and normal operations while the rest of the staff work from home. Employees were still allowed to enter and leave the office with negative nucleic acid test results. An employee at a foreign bank also said that core staff members were asked to return to the office and that they would be sleeping there. In other big business news, shares of ZTE jumped. That's after a U.S. court decided to end a probation imposed after the telecom giant's 2017 guilty plea for violating U.S. sanctions on Iran and North Korea. Soon after the news, ZTE's Shenzhen stock closed up by the daily limit of 10%, and its Hong Kong stock jumped 23%. The court ruled to end the probation, even as it said that ZTE had again violated U.S. laws by committing visa fraud to get employees into the country. The end of the probation marks a milestone in ZTE's journey toward a recovery from a suite of U.S. punishments, which presaged a broader Washington campaign against Chinese tech firms that ensnared its larger peer, Huawei. And while we're on the subject of Chinese companies getting into trouble in the U.S., Weibo has found itself in hot water, the social media giant has been added to a list of companies that are out of compliance with American audit requirements and faces being kicked off U.S. stock markets. And face being kicked off U.S. stock markets. The Asian giant's Twitter-like platform became the sixth Chinese company and the first internet platform on the list. On March 8th, Washington provisionally identified five other Chinese companies whose audit working papers couldn't be inspected by the U.S. regulators. The news triggered one of the steepest sell-offs of U.S.-traded Chinese stocks since the global financial crisis of 2008. The American Securities Regulatory Commission said that the businesses may violate the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act, which bans U.S. trading of stocks of companies if audit papers can't be checked for three straight years by the U.S. Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. PBAOC. In the meantime, Weibo said that it will continue to monitor market developments and evaluate all strategic options. Caixin has learned that China's third largest developer is seeking a two-year payment extension on an onshore bond due April 1st. 
That property player is Sunak, and the payment is worth a whopping 4 billion yuan, equivalent to nearly $630 million. In return for the extension, Sunak's billionaire chairman, Sun Hongbin, has proposed to provide an unlimited joint liability guarantee. The move followed rating downgrades by all three global rating companies and a series of negative developments involving other developers, including delays in making debt repayments. Last week, the company said that it expects to miss the March 31st deadline for issuing its audited annual report, joining a handful of Chinese developers in delaying financial reports, including, of course, Evergrande. Let's turn now to Nandini Venkata, Caixin Global's podcast producer, for the latest on the tragic plane crash in South China's Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region. Welcome back, Nandini. Hey, Kaiser. So I know that most of our listeners are aware of the broader circumstances of the crash, but can you fill us in on what happened and, and what we know now? Yeah, of course. So right now, Chinese officials are investigating why this plane suddenly fell from the sky on March 21st. This was China Eastern's flight MU5735. It took off at around 1.15 from a city in southern China called Kunming, and it was scheduled to arrive in Guangzhou at roughly 3 p.m. On board, there were 123 passengers and nine crew members. All of them were Chinese nationals. However, it was about one hour into the journey when things turned tragic. At about 2.20 p.m., the plane suddenly dropped from a cruising altitude of 29,000 feet to 4,400 feet. And this is before its radar signal suddenly disappeared. Uh, it seems that air traffic controllers had tried on several occasions to reach the pilots of the plane um, after it started plunging. Um, the air traffic controllers however, say that they did not receive any response. And then the aircraft ended up crashing into mountains in the Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region in southern China. Now, very, very sadly, um, none of those who were on board survived. So in the wake of all of this, um, China's president, Xi Jinping, called for an immediate emergency response, as well as all-out search and rescue efforts, the president also demanded that action be taken immediately to uh, determine the cause of the crash and improve safety in the airline industry. Over 300 rescue personnel were dispatched to the crash sites, as well as trying to deal with the wreckage, put out any um, flames and so on, and look for survivors. They were also searching for any shred of evidence that can offer any glimpse into how this was at all possible. And um, this probe has not been easy. The plane was heavily destroyed and the wreckage was said to be scattered all over the mountainside. The impact of the crash has also apparently left a crater that's 20 meters deep. Okay, thanks. One thing that's gotten a lot of attention is the fact that the plane plummeted straight down in a nosedive, which is highly unusual, yeah? Yeah, that's correct. So a uh, clip has surfaced of how the plane fell. Um, this was surveillance footage captured by a mining company 
that was near the site of the crash. And this clip showed the plane diving at a high speed. And it was diving almost perpendicular to the ground before it, it then disappeared over a ridge covered by some dense vegetation. And an employee of the company has told Session that the video is genuine. So, of course, the biggest question in all of this right now is, how was this possible? What could have caused this horrible tragedy? I know it's been said again and again that it's too early, but have any theories surfaced? Uh, well, unfortunately, there seem to be no obvious signs as to what could have caused this. Uh, the weather conditions during the time of the accident were described as normal. All three pilots had valid licenses. Their health certificates were all in order, and they had a lot of solid experience under their belts. Likewise, um, China Eastern has also said that the aircraft involved had been inspected well before the takeoff and that the aircraft had met all the conditions. However, some things have been possibly ruled out. I mean, one is that the authorities said that they had not come across any signs of explosives at this crash site. Perhaps a potential other clue is that an aircraft design expert has uh, doubted the possibility of equipment failure based on currently available data. That expert uh, declined to be named, but they said that engine failure or mechanical failure cannot explain this phenomenon. And I believe that comment is in relation to how the plane fell in a nosedive. However, what could give us some answers is that the two black boxes have been found. So one black box is a cockpit voice recorder and the other one keeps a record of the flight data. Um, the exterior of both of the black boxes seem to have been damaged as a result of the crash, but they have been sent off for analysis. So let's hope that that offers us some clarity. And I'm sure a number of our listeners are also wondering about what the reactions from China Eastern Airlines and Boeing are. Yeah, so the very next day after the disaster, China Eastern grounded all of its Boeing 737-800 planes. The airline also changed its website to black and white in a sign of mourning and has expressed condolences, as has Boeing. Um, Boeing has also said that it is in close communication with customer and regulatory authorities. And I guess while we are speaking of Boeing, it's important to clarify that um, this plane is the Boeing 737-800. That's different uh, from the Boeing 737 MAX. The Boeing 737 MAX is, of course, um, it's a newer version of the jet. And of course, this is the plane um, that was involved in two very terrible crashes, um, which prompted China to ground the 737 MAX in 2019. Now, of course, this news has been, you know, really rattling the aviation industry. Um, shares of Boeing, uh, China Eastern Airlines, as well as other Chinese airlines have all sank in the wake of the news. Okay, Nandini, thanks for filling us in. Yeah, thanks, Kaiser. And we'll update this as we have more information.
And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of our new podcasts on the Seneca Network, like China Stories, featuring the best writing on China from around the web, and the China Sports Insider podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.